Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Happy Friday. I want to say, first of all, happy Friday, of course. And thank you for tuning in to Conversations with Toy. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, please don't let it be your last. I want you to know that this space is going to be as safe as possible. I do talk about things like self-care, mental health, things that are happening in these internet streets and everything in between. And if I believe that there is a reason to put a trigger warning on an episode, I will do so because I'm always going to be about making sure that I look out for the people that are listening in, because again, the people who listening in are going to be people like myself, someone who is about their self-care, somebody who's about their mental health, somebody who's trying to recover from life when life throws a blow at you. Trust me, I've been there, done that. I got a t-shirt and a balloon and I'm telling you it is real. Now, let's just have an honest moment before I get too deep into this conversation. This is going to be a very special episode, and let me tell you why. It's going to be a special episode because it took me four or three or four times to record it. The, any other podcaster that's listening to this already knows how beautiful technology can be until technology is not on your side, and that is how this morning is going. Uh, with that being said, I am not going to let this recording uh, go to waste. I'm not going to let this space go to waste. I'm not going to let any of that go to waste, and I'm so grateful again for having the tenacity and the patience to re-record this three to four times. And I say that because, you know, just like in life, And just think about the times that you've gotten frustrated over something. It could be as small as trying to open up a a can of soda and the can of soda is not opening. Or let's say you're opening up a can of, I don't know, tuna fish or something to that effect. And your can opener is not working. You're getting frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. Well, that is how I felt at the beginning of this recording. And I say that because, again, I always love to use these little things to bring you a beautiful analogy. And the best thing I can say is that, again, when things look rough, even if it's for a split second, that stress that you're feeling, that anxiety that you feel when things happen, just like I have felt this today, is a very real reality. And with it being such a real reality, again, I always want to preface and stress that you can have the moment to, again, regroup, take a deep breath. This is what stress looks like. Now we are ending the month of April on a beautiful note. April was stress awareness month. And now we're walking into May and May is mental health awareness month. Now, are we glorifying stress? Absolutely not. Are we glorifying mental health saying that it's a great thing to not be in good mental health? That's absolutely not true. What I am saying or what we're doing when we lift up these holidays is that it's about realizing that you do get stressed and what tools are you using to, you know, to flex that stress, to absorb it, to find a way to show up for yourself. How are you doing that? And then when it comes to mental health awareness, you know, again, there are still people here on Beyonce's earth that still believe that mental health is not real. Now, let me be very honest with you. Mental health, especially when a crime is being committed, is always thrown around. And do I believe that there is some touch of mental health when a crime does happen, meaning someone has lost their marbles, as they say, someone was under so much stress that they felt like that was their last resort? Do I believe that is the case? Yes. Do I believe that that is the case for it to be as excusable in a situation? I'm going to say no. As much as I am a a mental health advocate, I don't believe that the the default to use that as a as a prerequisite or a reason to commit a crime is not there. So if you're out here committing crimes and then you're saying, well, you know, something was wrong with me. I had this mental health issue. Again, I'm not saying that that's not the case because I am not a professional. I'm just saying that it's not okay to use that as the excuse for which for which you give and commit a crime. Outside of that, most people are not going around committing crimes. Most of us are in a situation where, again, we're simply trying to live our life out loud and the mental health that we are in, the stress that we are in is not producing good results. At some point we are being defeated. At some point our balloon is defleted. 
depleted. And at that point, we're trying to figure out what we can or cannot do. And sometimes you make good decisions and sometimes that you just don't. And I just want to say to you, if you are struggling, especially if you're struggling by yourself, meaning you could be in a relationship with somebody, you could be around a bunch of people who feel like, well, if you just came and talked to me that it would be okay. I need to, for people who, who have never really fully experienced mental health to the extent that others have, I get that after the fact, people say, well, why didn't you come and talk to me? Why didn't you come and tell me? I have to ask you, are you being a vessel for somebody to do that? Now, what is a vessel for someone to do that means? When you are talking to somebody who has a mental health problem, people are already going to gauge if you are a safe place by the conversations you've had about other topics. You don't know what another person is going through. So I tell this to myself. I, t- I remind parents that are in my circle all the time. When you talk about certain things like in front of your children or you're talking about certain topics in front of your children, you never know down the line if your children is going to face that. And so when you're talking about things that you may not even know that they're going through and you have such a negative connotation about something because you most likely don't understand it, it doesn't make it okay or doesn't provide a safe space for a child or an adult to come and say, you know what, she's a person that I can rally, that will rally behind me. She's going to be or he's going to be somebody that will help me through through. She or he is going to be somebody that I really need to put and add to my list of somebody that I can just feel could be an asset. And so when you say things like, I wish that that person had spoken to me, you really got to be asking yourself, are you the, are you making it environment where it's conducive to do so? And if you're not making it an environment that's conducive to do so, you cannot then get upset in your spirit or mad or then have an issue where, again, you're making it seem as if somebody should have said or done and it didn't happen because of, again, something that you're putting out in the atmosphere. I'm sorry. It just has to be said. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like we don't talk about that enough. We talk about the why the person didn't do and the person should have done. You don't know what that person had on their spirit, what they had on their heart. What if they just felt again, one, they could have felt alone. They felt embarrassed about whatever topic or whatever they were going through. And I say that because I've done it. I've had situations with my husband where, you know, it was felt good to speak to him sometimes. And then there was times where I'm just like, nah, because you hear the way that that person talks to you or the way that they treat you when they see you going through an outward manifestation of your mental health. And so you don't always feel safe. And so you may be in a situation that you feel alone because of that, because you feel like you don't have a a soft place to land when it comes to speaking about your mental health. On this podcast, I'm always going to speak up for the people who can't speak up for themselves. I always believe honestly and truly to my heart that there is another toy out there who is going through the same things that I was going through at one time in their own way, in their own form. And because of that, They feel like, again, this soft space that they're supposed to be able to land just doesn't exist for them. It doesn't exist at all. And they are struggling. They are struggling to make sense of that. And people are always so quick to judge because they don't get, they don't understand, or they want people to go through it at the same level that they're going through it. And that's just not possible. There's been things in my own mental health that I've gone through that somebody next to me or somebody in my inner circle has gone, hasn't gone through that in that same way. It doesn't mean that they can't identify. It's just that our situations are different, just like life. I just want people to learn that if you want people to open up or be a safe space, you have to create a safe space. You have to create a safe space for people to land. You cannot get mad or feel like people owe you to come and tell you their business when you're not the type of person that's going to be uplifting. You're not the type of person that's going to be understanding. You're not the type of person that's going to just simply listen and and give advice for them instead of putting yourself into the to the mix. Now, what do I mean by putting yourself into the mix? I go through mental health things all the time, but when somebody is coming to me and they're asking me to talk to to them or be a listening ear to them, unless it's going to save them, or I feel like it's going to be something of help. I'm there to listen and then help them through it. Instead of saying, well, when I did, when I had this issue, when I had what about me and then me, and then, you know, about I like, 
you have to take yourself out of the equation in order to be a help to someone. Now, can you say that looks like an example of something that I've been through? Yes. But if you're inserting yourself so far into the story that their voice isn't being heard and only yours, that is what I'm referring to. Because nobody wants to feel as if they are trying to get something accomplished or get something across. And what they're receiving from that situation is you making it about yourself, you glorifying yourself. And I've been in circles of people, friends and, and, and enemies and people in between alike who will say negative things and derogatory things like, oh, I, I, if somebody was going through that, I, I couldn't hardly do that. Or I wouldn't do such and such. This is why you're not a safe space. This is why you're not a safe space to land. Because again, nobody wants to be in a circle amongst other people where again, they're fighting, fighting to be heard or, or any, it just trust me on this. So I say all that to say May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So remember the tools that you have used. What worked for you? Not what worked. If you say to yourself, listen, I went to therapy for about a few months. I gave it a try. I didn't feel like it was for me. Ask yourself, was it not for you because you didn't have the right therapist? Maybe you aren't using the right therapy. Um, contrary to popular belief, therapy is not only just sitting on a couch or sitting in a chair or doing a Zoom where you're sharing your heart. There are different types of therapy. There are different things that you can add into your world that could help you. You have to just be willing to research. You have to be willing to seek it. You have to be willing to have an open mind when you do find it. And I say all of that to say that there are different types. So what tools are you using to help your mental health? I have what's called almost like a stoplight uh, plan. We have green, which means everything is okay. I'm going at the speed that I need to go in. I'm probably checking in with myself. I'm doing a lot of self-care. I am doing all the things I need to do and checking in with myself to correct or to recognize something that is happening. We get to yellow. And for me, this is only my plan. My plan for my yellow is that, okay, I find that I'm doing things like maybe not eating well, maybe I'm not working out. I'd start to get to the point where I start doing mind dumps, but the mind dumps are not enough. Or I find that, you know, I talk to my therapist, but maybe I'm not being fully honest with the therapist about the things that are happening. And so she can't, or he can't help me if I'm not being honest about whatever it is that I have going on. Right. So that's where I get to the yellow and I start to get a little stressed out and it's just starting to go left to the point where I'm starting to recognize that I'm starting the process of withdrawing, but I'm still active. I'm still moving. I look good on the outside, but my insides is on fire of just like overwhelmness. Right. And then we get to red. Red means stop. Red means listen, you've done too much. You have gone too far. You're not where you need to be whatsoever. And so how can we get you to where you want to be? And in red, this is the point where I am so frustrated. I have withdrawn from things like maybe I'm not uh, blogging as often. Maybe I'm not doing the podcast with, with intentions. Maybe I've gotten to the point where now I don't respond to my family the way that I'm supposed to, because again, I'm overwhelmed, right? And so I need you to understand what works best for you and what are your tools? Because if you don't know them, you have got to get to know them. You really have got to get to know them because that's what's going to help you. It's going to help you. Now, we are going to be having an amazing guest who is an artist. She is a, a, a co-founder. She's done all these amazing things. And we will get to that conversation about what she's doing and what her company is doing and how you can be a part of the celebration and all of the things. I want to talk about the things that have been happening on these internet streets. Now, there have been three deaths this week, and you know how things work. They come in threes. The first death being Harry Belafonte. Um, he is an icon, an absolute icon for all generations. Um, he was an activist, an actor, a musician. He held so many titles and he stood up for what was right. He did and used his platform. If, if you know what would be considered a platform today, he used his platform very wisely to be there and stand in the gap for people who, again, who couldn't do it for themselves. 
He has stood in with religious leaders. He's stood with all kinds of wonderful people and he passed away leading and living a beautiful life. One that is full of honor, respect, and dignity. And we stand and honor him because of his legacy, right? So when people pass away, especially when they're older and you look at them and, you know, they live this long life and, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to age. Not everybody has that can say that there are women, children, and men that leave at early ages here on this earth. And so when you see somebody who has led a beautiful life, somebody who has lived a life that shows that they care about their community, that they care about themselves and they're showing love and respect to things and people around them, you can't help but to be blessed by their presence. Now, it's not like as if I have met him or I know his personal life, but just the things that he has done. That is how you know if you lived a great life, when people can just remember all the beautiful things that you've done and not count it against you to say, well, you know, I'm glad she's gone. I'm glad he's gone. Um, That's a beautiful thing. The second death of this week has been Jerry Springer. If you don't know who Jerry Springer is, he's one of the most iconic uh, talk show. I want to say, I guess a talk show host and his shows were a little bit more messy. So he would bring people who had all kinds of things going on in their lives. Uh, somebody might've been messing with somebody that they, you know, weren't supposed to be messing with. They might've gotten pregnant by somebody. You have somebody who, you know, I was doing this with my best friend. I was messing with, it was a lot of messiness. Right. And I saw something online where people were like, Oh, he was messy for the black community. Jerry cared. He was messy with everybody. Jerry didn't care what color you was. You could have been on a spaceship. If you had a story and you was willing to tell it and it was messy, he had you on that show. And it was very entertaining. I mean, I wouldn't say it would be something that it was life-changing to the point where if you watched it, you felt like you was, you know, lived. But you also can't say that you didn't live, right? You can't say that you also did not live. Um, because Jerry, I mean, yeah, Jerry Springer was just that. He was just that man. So, again, um, we just want to give honor to those two people. Now, this is not giving honor to somebody. Now, some of y'all are going to get deep in your feelings. You're going to say that this is not right for me to say, but let's just say this. Carolyn Bryant Dunham, I believe her last name is Dunham. She passed away as well because again, death comes in threes. However, she is being, she is going to forever be known as the person who lied on a child. She lied on Emmett Till, one of the most uh, disturbing and iconic deaths that we know in the civil rights movement, where again, this child was killed. A child was killed for supposedly looking at a white woman. And then way down the line, we realize and know that she lied and yet nobody pursued charges against her. Now, if in this day and time I go and I make a statement that says somebody raped me or somebody caused harm, I've messed up their life, their reputation. And it's determined that I lied. I'm going to get charged. I am going to get charged for falsifying documents. I'm going to get charged for all the things that are associated with lying and basically saying something happened that didn't happen, but it didn't happen for her. Because again, we have the weaponizing of white women's tears. So again, I'm not anti-white women, right? That's never been my thing. I am anti-people using their, their affluent, um, influences to garner what they're what they want from other people at the expense of other people so to me that could be anybody right but in this particular case a white woman used and weaponized her tears to get a child again a child killed and i feel like we have to say that because it's like why y'all not remember emmett was 14 years old he was a child and as a mother of a son i do have two daughters but as a mother of a son I would be amiss if my son had to die and not get made whole and have his name completely cleared to the point where, again, there would be justice served for the death that he had to experience. My 14-year-old son, my 14-year-old son beat so bad that I could barely recognize my son. I'm going to have heads is going to roll. His mother is a saint. Because the fact that she wanted his, his, his body to be on display, despite the fact that again, he was almost unrecognizable. They have beat him like he didn't even exist. He wasn't even human. Right. And during that time, black people were supposed to be seen and definitely not heard. We were supposed to just stay in our place, do as we're told and keep it pushing. So as a mother, as a mother, 
Caroline's death is like one of those sticks and just a stab in the chest. It's like his mother would have died twice because she already had to endure bearing a child, right? No parent, no matter what color you are, wants to bury their child. So you're burying your baby. And on top of that, the way and the manner by which he died does matter. It makes the situation even more horrific. And all of that, just for the woman to recant the story, to renege on what she said, and then have his like his death just almost be almost, and I say almost because it wasn't, but it was because that man, young man did not get a chance to live a life. We don't know what he had and dreams he had in his body and what goals he had locked in his soul that were not opened and, and they were never accomplished. So as much as people are like, oh my gosh, she died, like, okay, she died. And I know that sounds extremely disrespectful and I don't know if I mean it to be disrespectful or not. What I am saying is my humanality, the, the mother in me could not be okay with how she lived her life. She lived to be 88 years old and Emmett Till could not have lived and been somebody who could have done and made changes into this world. Now, he definitely made us aware. He made us aware of the fact that racism was real because, you know, back then and even now, people dispute the validity. And I'm like, how do you not see these babies and these humans going and getting God for nothing? Whew. All right. Jesus be offense. So on today's episode, we are not talking about him until his death. Uh, his legacy, I would say, is his legacy, right? But on today's episode, we do have a guest. And if you know anything about me or follow me on my blog, because if you don't know, I'm not just a podcaster. I am a blogger and content creator here in Philadelphia. And one of the things that I love to do is to go to review shows, whether it's a musical, um, whatever type of theater that it may be. And I cannot wait to see this show happening on May the 13th by the Lady Hoofers. We have Kat Richter. Um, she is here and she is the founder and artistic director. Now she's a dancer by trade. She has done her due diligence. Let me just go ahead and give, give you, give, let me give you her, her bio. Now she is a tap dancer, a choreographer, an educator, and dance historian. Her professional training began with the New Jersey tap ensemble under the direction of Deborah Mitchell and continued under junior Lanin of the London tap gym. In 2005, she received a scholarship to the Oxford University and later returned to the UK to complete her graduate work in dance anthropology. Kat co-founded The Lady Hoofers in 2011 with Too Darn Hot, an all-female, all-tap review for the Philadelphia Fringe Festival. Since then, her, choreogra her choreography has been praised by Lou Wington of the Philadelphia Dance Journal for telling great stories in tap and step idioms less relevant on tricks and traditions, and more on innovative tap artistry. Kat also teaches dance history and all levels of tap technique at Stockton University. She writes for Dance Magazine and regularly presents and publishes her tap research. So we had this amazing woman who was going to talk about what is Lady Hoofers? What is the show that is coming to the Philadelphia area for their spring concert on May the 13th? If you know anything about the arts, you know that the arts is one of those things that needs our support constantly. So while you're listening to this podcast, I want you to go into the show notes and I want you to pay attention to the crowd for us, crowd uh, funding source. And if you can donate, right? And if you want to donate, maybe you're not from the Philadelphia area, but you feel led to support this amazing group. And you say to yourself, I can't be there, but I want to be able to sponsor somebody else to be able to go to a show that would not otherwise. You can send me an email, toytimeblog at gmail.com. That is T-O-I-T-I-M-E B-L-O-G at gmail.com. I'll have my email in the show notes do send me an email so that we can get somebody matched up and make sure that your donation goes where it needs to go to. Um, but again, let's listen to Kat as we talk about dance, what it means for her. Like, how does she feel the, the sense of, of accomplishments? What's her self-care looks like? Because she's also a mom. So what's that self-care look like? Uh, we talk about mental health because that is what we're always going to do here in this podcast, no matter what happens. And let's listen to what Kat had to say about all the things. Welcome, Kat. Happy Friday and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Toy. 
Guys, I hope that you've had a great week because we have a, an amazing person that we're talking to today. I have the honor of talking to Kat and we have her here and she's got something to talk about. We're going to do a little bit of tapping around, but in the midst of tapping around, we are talking about an amazing show that is coming up here in the Philadelphia area. I will be there. Now, let me say, I am going to be there. I am not going to be in it. So for y'all to slide in my DMs with these ridiculous requests, I will not be in the show. I will be watching and I cannot wait. Um, so let's, before any, I get any further, I want to have Kat come in and talk about what we're, what we're going to do. This is coming up in May on May 13th. So Kat, take it away. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Toy. Um, so my name is Kat Richter. I'm the artistic director of the Lady Hoofers Tap Ensemble. We're an all-female tap company based here in Philadelphia. And on May 13th, we will be performing at Independent Seaport Museum in Penn's Landing. And it's our annual spring concert. And we're really excited because due to COVID, uh, this spring concert has been on hiatus for three years now. So we're really excited to be back on stage. Well, I'm excited, too, because I actually have never been inside of the uh, Seaport Museum. I don't know how, but I haven't. And so I look forward to just having both of those things happen. And my mother was a very much involved with dance um, as growing up. She would she was a dancer all her life. So I'm always going to be around theater or um, dance or some type of that type of energy, because that's what I grew up with. Yeah, and it's uh, the show is Mother's Day weekend, so anybody who's you know got a mom who loves to dance, bring them, bring them down because it's it's that Saturday of Mother's Day weekend. Yes, it is. I can't wait. I'm actually thinking of bringing my daughter, my oldest, with me because she's like excited too. So, or and you know what? No, my youngest because my youngest wants to be she wants to dance, so I'm going to bring her with me. Yeah, and we actually we have um, sort of three divisions in our company. The first company is our professional division. Um, they're all really, you know, highly trained dancers who audition to perform with us, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware. Um, then we have our apprentice dancers, which are mainly high school age and college students and they're pre-professional level. And then we have a youth ensemble as well. Um, and they perform with us primarily in our, uh, holiday concert. We do an all tap version of the Nutcracker called, of course, the Tap Cracker every December. <laughs> so yeah, depending on, on your daughter's age or, you know, any other kids in the audience, um, they can audition for us as young as nine to be part of that production. Okay. Yeah. She's nine. Okay. Um, that'll work. Yeah. How did Lady Hoofers become to be? Like, how did this start? What, what, where did you, how did this happen? Yeah. So I grew up tap dancing. Um, I had a great mentor, a woman by the name of Deborah Mitchell, who directs a company called the New Jersey Tap Ensemble over in New Jersey. And when I moved to Philly, there were tons of really great tap dancers here, but not necessarily doing the type of tap that I had been trained to do or that I wanted to do. Um, so I worked with a, another dancer to produce a review in the Philly Fringe, and we broke even by $11. <laughs> we're like, okay, we, wow. we've got something. Yeah, so that was uh, going on 12 years ago. We recently celebrated our 10th anniversary. Um, we became an official 501c3 nonprofit with a board of directors, and, and we've grown, you know, slowly but surely over the years. Um and we have uh, several part-time staff members um, and a, a roster of about 15 or 20 dancers now. So it's it's really exciting. That's amazing. 15 to 20 dancers is actually really amazing. That's a really amazing group. Yeah. Um, what has been some of your passions with, again, you started this you as a co-founder, um, but what has been some of your passions with making sure that, you know, people in different age groups and different um uh, levels in their dance have a place to go? Like what's been your uh, your passion surrounding that? Absolutely. So our mission is to produce new works of choreography while also preserving the tradition of improvisation in tap. And a lot of people don't know much about the history of tap. Um, it's what we like to call a black vernacular dance form. It came out of the African-American community and there are certainly influences from Ireland and England as well. But uh, at its heart, tap is an art form that grew out of music and dance traditions from enslaved Africans. And we want to always make sure that our audiences are aware of that, that our younger dancers are aware of that tradition as well. Um, so it's really about passing that down to the next generation. Um, and it's always been important for me to make sure that we are paying our dancers 
that we are paying the people who choreograph for us. I'm, I'm really proud that we've been able to commission a guest artist every year for the past six years, some really amazing people, um, world renowned in tap. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud of, that we're able to pay our dancers, that we're able to create work for women um, working in this art form. So that's that's something that we we really try to make sure we're always doing. I love hearing that because it's something to love what you do, but then also to get paid and, and have that compensation. It's it's important, especially for women. I mean, we're already at points getting cut in certain areas and art is just one of those things that one, we need more of. And to hear that you're making sure that they're being compensated is absolutely hands down because again, we know how much the arts somehow be suffer because people don't see the value in it. But exactly. I know for a fact of how, amazing it is to put your heart into something. I have two nieces and they're both into dance and they've been dancing for a long time. And the glow that they have when I go to see their um, shows, I'm actually seeing their show the week after um, your guys' performance, but it's just that, you know, we want to support that as much as we possibly can. Right, right. And, you know, yes, it's a labor of love and yes, you know, all of our dancers have day jobs in addition to what they do for us. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's there's this sort of like romanticism of the idea of being a starving artist and sacrificing everything for your art. And that's that's not sustainable. It's not productive in the long run. Uh, it's not respectful of, of people's time. So so that's always something that we're trying to push back against and, and make sure that, you know, if we're if we're paying our musicians, we certainly should be paying our dancers. You know, there's there shouldn't be a double standard there. Absolutely. Um, what has been some of the uh, downsides to like when you guys first started getting, you know, getting this off the road? Yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely a challenge. Um, the three of us who work uh, in, a, in a director capacity for the company, um, we all have other work outside of what we do for the ensemble. So that's always a challenge to, to balance all of those responsibilities. Um, another issue is it's really hard to find space as a tap dancer for us to rehearse, for us to perform. Um, a lot of venues, uh, you know, studios or theaters, they're oftentimes uh, under a mistaken impression that tap shoes are going to ruin the floor and, and so they don't want to even rent space to us. Um, and there's there's floors that are really great for ballet and modern dance and they're not great for tap. So it's a matter of us, you know, educating folks about what our needs are as artists and trying to advocate for ourselves and advocate for other percussive dance forms. So so that's always a tricky thing is finding spaces that we can be in um, where we can be heard um, and where we can do our work safely. We actually launched our first ever capital campaign this past year to raise money for our own portable tap floor um, so that we sort of won't be dependent upon anybody else anymore. And we can just show up with our boards and, and do our things. So um, so we're working towards that now. I love that. And if you get that link, then send it over so we can make sure we, you know, yeah. we want to support. And I, for those who are listening, especially for those who are in the arts, if you are in dance, if you sing, if you have any of these types of beautiful, amazing skills, because not everybody has it, but um, when you have that, you you know, you want to do whatever you can to support that. And I love that. Um, so th finding the space now, you know, and doing those things to carve the show and you've been bringing in some amazing um, uh, guest artists. How have, what has been the selection process for that when it comes to guest artists? Sure. Um, so myself and our, our other directors, Katie and Tamara, uh, we go to shows a lot. You know, we're, we're very much sort of in the tap community. We were just in New York City last weekend um, and went to see a show by Adele Cassell, a really amazing choreographer. And she brought in a ton of folks. So we're already like, ooh, for next year, we're keeping our eye on, on people. Um, but typically, you know, we want to always um, give priority to women, to women of color, to trans artists, um, queer artists. So, so we're looking for people who might be underrepresented um, and also people who are just like amazing talents in TAP. And, you know, we see something that we like and we say we want to work with you. Um, one example is a, a Philadelphia native by the name of Robin Watson. Um, she's working on a show about the experience, uh, experiences of Black women in the U.S. And I went to see her show and was just like, oh, my God, who are you? How come I don't know who you are? You know, can, can we grab right. coffee? I'd love to commission you. Um, and she said a piece for us that was actually supposed to premiere prior to the pandemic. So it's been sort of uh, waiting in, in the bullpen, so to speak, for, for three years now. So, so that'll be her piece will be getting its uh, main stage debut in May. 
Um, and our guest choreographer for this year is a, a friend of mine, Michael J. Love, who's um, he's a, a fellow at Princeton University right now and a really amazing uh, interdisciplinary tap artist. So um, we were excited to work with him as well. Amazing. What can we expect at this May 13th show? Because it's the spring show, you know, everybody's finally getting outside safely. Yeah. Finally able to go into theater. Um, I think I've been back in theater whenever they open, but it's, you know, it's been, it's been up and down for everybody in the arts. So what can we expect at this show? Well, we are so excited. We are going to be premiering pieces by Robin, Michael, and our managing director, Katie Budris. We've got some uh, company favorites coming back as well, uh, including a piece that I choreographed a number of years ago to the music of Duke Ellington. Uh, the show is divided into three acts with uh, one intermission. And the first act, we actually invited local college students to submit pieces for an adjudication process. Um, because a lot of uh, college and university dance programs tend to support Western concert dance, in other words, ballet and modern, and, mm -hmm. and you know, jazz and hip hop, any of these black vernacular dance forms, uh, they don't get as many resources or, or as much exposure. And there's some hardworking tap students out there. So we wanted to give them a chance to really show their stuff. So we had, um, I think, five or six universities submit works, and we selected two of them. Um, so they'll be performing a sort of warm up act um, with some of our apprentice dancers. So we're excited about that. Um, the second act is going to feature all live music. We have a, a jazz trio that we work with on a number of occasions. Um, so that's where you'll hear some sort of, uh, you know, Ellington and, and other jazz standards from from Taft's kind of golden era. Um, and then after intermission in the third act, that's when we have our three premieres um, and some really great new costumes that I'm excited about and um, new music, uh, actually one original composition in terms of the music as well. So, so that should be a lot of fun. We're excited. Wow. That does sound good. I, I love some Duke Ellington. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> as soon as you said that, my ear just like, uh, take the age up. Like, yes. wait, what's happening? Yes, I'm uh -huh. here for that. Right, right. <laughs> Um, I, I'm glad and so grateful to hear that you guys are doing live music because I feel like the live music is just like, I'm hoping that people understand how important it is. I mean, maybe it's just me because I, again, my mom was in dance. Um, I come from a singing family, yeah. music is just a huge part of my life. And so whenever I hear live music, mm -hmm. I gravitate towards it. It's just, it's nothing like it. It's not exactly it's nothing like it. Right. And even as a dancer, you know, some of my greatest memories as a teenager dancing, you know, pre-professionally, which is like waiting in the wings and hearing the band and just like, okay, here, you know, it's, it's time. And it's, I mean, I, I, I won't lie. It can be stressful <laughs> working with, <laughs> music. Uh, you know, jazz musicians are their own entity. And it's, you know, it's so funny because our, all of our staff um, and all of our dancers, we're all women. We typically work with male musicians and there's times where I'm just like, come on guys, like, let's go, we're ready. <laughs> you know, so right, let's get this started. Uh, get everybody in the room together, but um, but we've worked with them a number of years and, and they do phenomenal work. So we're really excited. And um, it's something that we really try to prioritize. You know, unfortunately the budget isn't always there for live music, but over the last couple of years, um, we've really been working to make sure that uh, we're able to show this part of, of tap history and, and tap's present, you know, working with live music because we as as tap dancers, we are musicians as well, playing percussion with our feet. So, you know, to have that that sort of um, community on stage is really important to us. That's good. Um, so this is this is your uh, like you said, a labor of love, but you're able to see the the works of, you know, just how everything's coming together. What has um, what has been some of your sustaining, you know, you know, power to keep you going and keep you fueling yourself? Because, again, you know, doing this for so long, anything that you do for such a long time, you know, you have to still have that hunger and thirst for it. you still have to have that desire and love for it. What what is what fuels you that way? Yeah, that's such a great question and, and so important for artists to consider. Um, I think for me, it's, and, and, you know, with the women I work with, it's figuring out how to divide and conquer and figure out who has what skill sets and where our time is best utilized. Um, so over the past two years, I have been cutting back on how much time I actually spend at rehearsal because I'm doing more of the administrative work. 
Um, and we recently promoted um, Tamara, Ta excuse me, Tamara Dalam, our, our associate director, um, and she's great at running rehearsals. So, you know, figuring out where we can delegate, where someone else is ready to step up into a role that, you know, I may not have the skill set or the, or the patience or the energy <laughs> for at times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's definitely a big part of it for sure is, is um, figuring out, you know, when you can empower someone else to do a job that, that they're really uh, well suited for. And when you can take a step back and say, you know what, they've got it. I don't have to micromanage this and, and they're good. Yeah. That that's amazing. Um, what actually fuels you personally? Because, you know, we, I know for myself, when you do something that you love, like you're in your space, you feel like you found, you know, what it is that you were here to do, or at least a part of it. And so how do you keep yourself afloat? What are some of the things that you do to just keep yourself, your own self outside of the company, outside of the work? What do you do to just help yourself in some form of self-care? How do you handle that? Yeah. So the thing that really fuels my soul the most is actually writing. I love dance. I love choreographing, directing, putting on a show, you know, arts administration, all that stuff. But um, really, I love writing. That's the thing that I, I can't live without. Um, so figuring out how to make time for that, to make sure that I have childcare arranged, that I have, you know, a clean few feet of space in my house where I can sit down, you know, un uncluttered um, and, and really prioritize that and not feel guilty about it and know that like, this is, the time that I need for myself. This is how I figure out what I think. And I think writing makes me a better dancer and dancing makes me a better writer. So um, trying to, you know, not feel guilty that I need both of those things in my life. is, is um, It's an ongoing struggle at times, but, but an important one. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you said that because um, with my blog, I've been, I'm a writer and um I don't think there's a day that goes too many days that go by that I'm not writing. Um, it's just what I've, I've always loved it. I've loved it since I was a kid. So I understand that. But as a mom, sometimes you have that, that balance of, you know, how do I, you know, take this few moments. And then it's like, if you wait for them to go to sleep, you know, sometimes you're just so drained. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm ready to go to sleep. Like I want to write. Right. But I'm tired. No, I read about, and I, I used to blog as well. I took a look at your blog before, you know, we logged on to chat and was like, good for her, three kids and like still blogging. That's amazing. Because once I had my kid, that blog went out the window. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, I hear about women and, and moms who can write after their kids go to bed. And I'm like, I, I don't know how you do it because I'm like, no, nope, I'm, I'm going to sleep or I'm watching mindless television. That's it. Like there's nothing creative coming out of me at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's gotten better since I've like built like an office in the house. So it's kind of a little bit better. But in the beginning, I was the same way. Like when I first started, I would have a blog and it would like, okay, maybe one. And then like two weeks later, I might have another just because I was changing diapers and I was running after kids and it's too much. Right, right. And I know, you know, because mental health is such a, you know, a passion of yours, I will be perfectly candid. I've been in therapy since the start of the pandemic and as a performing artist, uh, you know, to be sort of deemed a non-essential worker and to have all of my income, you know, related to that dry up and go away. Um, you know, that was that was really depressing and really, you know, a source of anxiety. So I uh, started therapy for the first time in my life and have continued. And I'm really grateful to, you know, have a therapist who I can talk to about being an artist, being a mother, being a writer, you know, wearing all of these hats. And I know there's a stigma for a lot of people about seeking, you know, support for mental health. So something that I'm always like happy to talk about, frankly, because it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not an easy life, definitely to be an artist, to be a writer, to be a mother, all of those things. Um, but you know, if, if it's what you want, you find a way to make it work somehow. I'm glad that you said that because I mean, for the listeners that are listening, especially for my longtime listeners, they already know I talk about mental health all the time, just because, um, I've been in therapy even before the pandemic and, you know, I've had to recently go back into it because sometimes you go, it happens in waves. Exactly. Sometimes you're good. And then it's like, right, right. I'm going back. To check in. Yeah. Let me check in. And so that's where I'm at right now. And so, you know, again, I always want other people who are listening who can't verbalize that. Right. Hear somebody else say, mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay. to, and, and I know it sounds cliche to say that it's okay to not be okay. But mm -hmm. I also want people to understand that and you're not okay. 
to gravitate towards some form of help, some type of conversation around it. Right. Just, just to the therapist. Cause sometimes I can't talk to my husband about it. Sometimes I can't talk to my mom and them about it. Like I have to talk right. to my therapist. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you are doing what you need to do to take care of you. Sure. Um, thank you. And likewise, these hats, they get, they, they become heavy. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> Yeah, come heavy. Mm-hmm. So the show is coming on the 13th of May. Um, where can people find tickets? You can find tickets at our website, which is ladyhuffers.org. Um, and you can purchase them right online. Pick, you know, pick whatever good seats you want to get. Um, and for folks who are perhaps not familiar with the venue, Independent Seaport is in Penn's Landing. There's tons of great restaurants nearby, Spruce Street Harbor Park. Liberty Point. So if you're coming down, like make make a night of it. Go go grab dinner beforehand and, and come see the show. Absolutely. And I've been at both places. They are amazing. And if you like to, especially if the weather is good and you want to sit down and eat, Liberty Point is your spot. The other place, they have amazing food, amazing drinks for those who like drinks. Uh, they also have non-alcoholic. I mean, it just really is a great selection too. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. It should be a, a great, great night. Absolutely. Cannot wait. For those who are listening, and I know you hear me say this all the time, I will make all of these links, the links to help them um, crowdfund, as well as the links to get your tickets completely clickable. Because again, we want to support, we want to get bodies in the seats. We want to make sure that you get to experience when you come to a show, as much as you are a spectator, become a part of it, like get into the music, get into the things that are happening. And so I'm always going to be a huge advocate for that. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, Kat, thank you so much for being on this week's episode. We are excited. I cannot wait to see the show. I'm hoping that everyone that's listening will go to the show. If you're not from Philadelphia and you want to sponsor somebody to go, let me know. Send me an email so that we can do that. I would love to make sure that we can sponsor other people who may not have the ability to go to get them in the seats. Reach out to me at uh, toytimeblog at gmail.com, which I'll have in the show notes as well. And we can make that happen. I'm all for that. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Toy. No problem. Now, all right. What did you think? I think that this show is going to be absolutely amazing. I love everything about tap. I love the influences of jazz. I can't wait to see this. I am taking all of my little ones with me because it is Mother's Day weekend. And what better way than for a mom to just get in her in her moment and enjoy her children by bringing them to the arts? And I hope that that's what we're all going to be doing, because let me tell you, for Mother's Day, I don't feel like doing anything else. And that is what we're going to do, because I think that's the day before Mother's Day and the 14th is actual Mother's Day. And on the 14th, she will be resting. She is I and I hope Kat gets her rest, too, because she's a mom as well. And listen, I know we're going to talk about Mother's Day as we get closer and closer to it. We got what, about two weeks to it um, for y'all that's buying your moms a Mother's Day gift. Please, if you can get her to the show and you think she would enjoy it, do that. But also make sure y'all get her stuff that she wants. Don't get her nothing that she needs to be, that she needs to serve you with. Don't buy her a pot. Don't buy her nothing to clean with. Don't get her a new um, broom. Don't get her another vacuum. You get her something that's only exclusively for her, for her to enjoy. And if she feels like, or you feel like she's the person that has it all. And so you're struggling about what to give her, give her the art of rest provide dinner. Listen, every mom wants to go sit at these restaurants and be crowded amongst people for 20,000 hours just to get one meal. Maybe you can provide a meal or go pick up some takeout and bring it home. Send her to an overnight stay for a staycation because listen, as moms, we just want to rest. We want to relax. If she drinks wine, give her something so she can just have her little glass of wine and just relax. She's earned that. She's earned it. So that's just my plug. We're going to get deeper into the Mother's Day conversations as we get closer. But I just wanted to say that because the show is Mother's Day weekend, that yes, take her to the show. She probably will absolutely love it. And I say probably because, listen, if you are taking somebody who's not in the arts and and you think they'll be okay with it, bring them anyway. Because one thing I've learned about the arts is that it's going to have something for everybody. And this show is going to be dynamic. I already know. 
in some way because again when you bring music especially live music it can't help but bring smiles to people's faces so make sure you get people in the seats get your tickets now if you want to sponsor somebody else email me my email is in the show notes i want us to come together and support the arts in in any type of way support dancers in any type of way um, that we can and the way we can is we use our coins and we use our our voices to let people know that a show or like this is coming so it's Friday. You have earned, you have earned your relaxation for this weekend. Please find one activity that you truly love, something that's going to put a smile on your face, something that you truly enjoy and love to do because something about doing what you love just is something you should always be about. Um, this weekend is going to be rainy here in Philadelphia. I'm not sure what the weather is going to be in your area, but check it out. Find an activity that you still can do regardless of the elements. Listen, find a way. If it's nothing but reading a good book because you've had this book on your list, but you didn't have the time, carve out 15 minutes, carve out 20 minutes, and just put your phone on Do Not Disturb. Get your kids to the point where they can settle down and get your time in. Maybe you have a busy life. You don't have kids. You're just traveling all the time. Just take 15 and 20 minutes in a hotel somewhere and go ahead and read. I want you to really get focused on really taking care of you because one thing about mental health is that if you don't take care of yourself, you will find out in the long run, the hard way, how taking care of yourself could have prevented you from going from the, the, from green on go from to pause or in, you're in the caution zone to stop. You have done way too much. You were way over your head and I'm going to need you to peel it back some. So Pay attention to your social cues. Pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you. Pay attention to the things that you need because, again, it's more important for me and and it should be important for you to take care of you, to be about what you need. Let's support the Lady Hoofers. We want to make sure that we do all that we can. I want you to have the most amazing Friday because why not? We have earned our right to do so. This week was probably stressful. It was stressful for me. And if it was stressful for you, celebrate the fact that you got through it it probably felt like you were not but you made it here and that's all that matters i will be back with you we have another amazing guest from another theater here in philadelphia we are talking about how theater really can transform lives it can help with the young people to get them excited about what they can do with acting and how they can get involved and i can't wait for that interview that'll be next friday so we have that interview ready to go already nice and edited so i'm excited um, this week we had Kat, which is amazing. Uh, we've had Patty Oliver last week. If you didn't listen to last week's um, episode where we talked about putting ourselves first and learning how to take care of ourselves, we talked about Ashaki Records. Listen to that episode as well. There are episodes, I think we have over 100 and almost, we're almost to 150 episodes all together throughout this eight seasons. And we have something for everybody. We have stuff about marriage, dating, um, parenting we we got it all there's nothing on it we don't cover so check it out look in the little catalog of the blogs i mean of the podcast and if you want to look at the blog too i'm not going to have a shame you know that it's always in the show notes as well you can follow my journey there and you can always follow me on social media as toy time because or toy time blog because that's where i'm at majority of my time when i'm not creating stuff that's where i interact with my people my community and i hope that you have a great weekend and we will be back with you next week Thank you for tuning in to Conversations with Toy. Do me one favor. Share this episode with one other person. If you're not a subscriber, become a subscriber. That means you are the tuned in. You are, this is your show. This is what you want to listen to and you want you don't want to miss a thing. Go ahead and subscribe so that we can make sure that you get it all. You don't want to miss an episode ever. I thank you all for your support and how you've been rocking. And this is Friday and have a great one. Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.